Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. See, if you're in the dead religion, rules, regulation, ritual, not impressive to anybody. No joy, no peace, no healing, no focus on the goodness of God. Can I ask you to write this down this morning? Yes. Act in faith and obedience and expand your usefulness to God. This man's life would be changed forever because of the healing touch of God. Pastor Mark will be teaching from the book of Luke chapter 6. We'll be hearing about the story of Jesus healing the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath. The text seems to indicate that Jesus was angry with the religious leaders because their blind allegiance to entrenched tradition had sucked the joy out of attending synagogue and the things that being Jewish was all about. We'll learn about the faith of the crippled man as well as the unbelief of the Pharisees, more about Jesus' prayer life, and whose priorities Jesus made every effort to discover and then follow. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Luke with the conclusion of his message, No, 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 or Yes, Yes, Yes. You know, there's many Christians, some of you in this room right here, you're a believer, but you don't believe Jesus can heal. Isn't that amazing? They knew Jesus could heal, but they wanted to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Let me challenge you. So when you begin to see this happening, as they go through this, it was important to them. They didn't care about this man. Their tradition was the thing that was important. They didn't want this man healed except for one reason, to attack Jesus. Jesus knew this, and one day he said this, for you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your tradition. Now, what were these religious leaders? They were complainers. They were nitpickers. They were critical. They were negative. They claimed to be lovers of God, but they're really lovers of their dead tradition, their religion. They focused on the no, no, no's of life. And basically, this man who, he was so limited, this man is a picture of the religious Jewish leaders. They were shriveled. They had no faith. They were useless as religious leaders. And Jesus knew it. And you're going to see how that works. Now, I want you to write this down this morning. The only thing I really want you to write down is the first. Then we're going to talk about this. Because this is a great application of a shriveled arm, right hand, right arm of a man, and how that means 
and looks in your life spiritually. So there's a spiritual application. Do I have this morning a shriveled life, a restricted life, what I'm doing for God, or is my life expanded? Am I open to do whatever? All of us struggle with this a little bit. All of us don't reach the potential God has for us, but he wants to heal us of that. He wants us to change this morning. So maybe this restricts your usefulness for God. See, we're here to expand his kingdom. Maybe there's fear. Well, man, Pastor Mark, if I go all in, I'm not sure what that means. Maybe it's a sin. David, when he committed adultery, he refused to repent for one year. He was shriveled for a whole year. Maybe there's a sin that God's been dealing with. You refuse to repent. Self-focused is a big one. The Bible tells us in the book of Timothy, in the last days, people will be lover of self rather than lovers of God. You know, all the selfies we see, that's it. We're focused on myself, and I can't be focused on myself. I need to be focused on what? Others. Others. Put that back up again. Look some more things that are here. Past hurts and failures. Pastor Mark, I, I can't do what God wants me to do. The marriage broke up. I've been devastated. I'll never get married again. I don't like men, women. I can't trust them. I've been hurt at work. Christians hurt me. No, look, I failed. Don't let your past define today. Get past your past. And when we stand in a few moments, God supernaturally can heal you and give you a fresh look on life. Also, maybe you're here and you have that kind of prophetic thing that you're a, a negative. You're always a nitpicker. Nothing's ever right. God can change you into a yes, yes person. He can challenge your heart this morning. Now, look at verse 8. It's kind of an interesting verse. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. Jesus knew these Pharisees, what they were up to. They were no, no, no people. And he's going to expose their shriveled lifestyle to the whole congregation. And he's going to ask a question that has no room to wiggle. I love it. So picture what happens here. Verse 8. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Now watch this. Just picture out from the audience. You're there at the synagogue. The man is in there and he comes up. I'll just be the man this morning. And he stands in front of the audience. Now, Jesus could have done this privately, healed the man, nobody would know. But he's going to do it in front of the crowd because he's going to expose the legalistic death tradition of the Jewish leaders. It was never designed to be that way. They were representatives of God, but they represented God wrong. So here's this man, and he's standing like this. Of course, he's probably not even looking at the people. He feels ashamed. It's not his fault. And she's going to ask a question. There's no way around it. Look at the question he asked, verse 9. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath? Why did God create the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? 
To save life or to destroy it? In other words, what's your interpretation of the application of the Sabbath? What's lawful to you? And he's always focused this on the religious leaders, not the congregation. He says, is the purpose of the law on the Sabbath to do good or evil? Is the purpose of the law on the Sabbath to save a life or destroy it? His question by itself revealed the Pharisees' wickedness. If it was right to do good, then he's going to do good by healing this man. If it's wrong to do evil on the Sabbath, they were already breaking the law because they were trying to find a way to accuse Jesus of something that wasn't wrong. There's the two questions. You're the religious leaders. How are you going to answer that? Look at the next verse. How did they answer it? Look in your Bible. How did they answer it? They didn't answer it. Why didn't they answer it? Well, they're going to say. They're wrong either way. Isn't that wonderful of God? He knows how to give us a question that your smartness can't answer. So if they open their mouth, they're deadbeat. So they just shut up. It's over. God knew how to tell Jesus to ask these questions. You see, the next thing you see is verse 10. It's so powerful. He looked around at them all, and then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. Now, what do we call that? It's a miracle. It's supernatural. How many times do you think this man tried to stretch out his arm? Not in the service. How many times? Let's say he, he was paralyzed, disfigured for 10 years. How many mornings in those 10 years do you think he tried to stretch out his hand? Every single day. He couldn't. He couldn't. Now, watch what Jesus... You know, these guys are there looking for what? Work. Interesting, Jesus doesn't touch the man. He just says the word. There's no work. Isn't that great? Well, we're going to accuse you. You heal that man. No, I just said a word. By the way, in a moment, when you stand like this, God's going to say a word to you. He's going to touch you. The Bible says he sent his word and healed them. It was supernatural. The next thing you see is, did the man do a lot of work? <laughs> no, the man just stretched his hand. No work. Now, what are the Jewish religious leaders going to do? Dead meat again. There's no work involved. Now, when you look at that, what does it do? It reveals Jesus' authority over the Sabbath. What was Jesus saying? It's like any day of the week, including the Sabbath, is the appropriate time to touch and heal hurting people. Jesus told the man to stretch out his hand, something he could not do in the natural. The man stretched it out by faith and obedience. And instantly, God healed him supernaturally. He couldn't do it, but he responded in faith. He believed that God could heal him and in obedience. Now, if you're in that synagogue and you're watching this man, you're watching this man, and he hears Jesus say, stretch out your hand. And in faith and obedience, he does it. And it's perfectly well. What's the reaction of the crowd in the synagogue at this moment? What would it be like? Come on, tell me, tell me. Come on, act like, like I just did that. Exactly. 
What are the religious leaders doing? This crowd is ecstatic. As this man leaves the front of the building and heads to the back, when he goes home, what will that day like? His marriage will be different. His kids will be different. His work will be different. His whole life has been changed by who? A word from Jesus. Now, as he walked down the aisle with his hand like this, what are you doing on the side as he walks by you? Come on, get your high five up. What are you doing to this? What are you doing to this man as he walks down? High five and turn to your neighbor right now and high five him. Would you just give him a high five right now? That's exactly what happened. As he walked out the building and you're at the end and you want to shake his hand, which hand you going to shake? The right hand. The hand that moments before could never shake your hand because of the power of God. Now, as the religious leaders left, how did they leave? Shriveled spiritually. That was the illustration from God. See, if you're in the dead religion, rules, regulation, ritual, not impressive to anybody. No joy, no peace, no healing, no focus on the goodness of God. Can I ask you to write this down this morning? Yes. Act in faith and obedience and expand your usefulness to God. This man's life would be changed forever. Because of the healing touch of God. Now what happens while these religious leaders are watching this? Take a look. Verse 11. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious. And began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. I want you to look at me for something. I want you to see something this morning. Notice that miracles do not change a person's hard heart. They could not deny that this man was totally healed. Does it affect their heart at all? No. Can I say a loving warning to you? If you started coming to church... And you've lost the zeal, the passion, the excitement of serving God. And your heart has gotten hard. Maybe for all kinds of things. And the service doesn't move you. When is Balmer going to get through? Can, can we just get out of here? You need to deal with your heart. Because in every service, God is healing people. Spiritually, emotionally, Today just will be kind of a different day, but he heals us all the time. You see, God's in the house, and he wants to touch our needs. This is not something we come and learn. This is a time we experience God. Be careful. These were the religious leaders whose hearts were untouched by healing. I was reading yesterday in Canada. It just, it almost made me sick. There's a, I don't know what denomination it was. doesn't matter. But there was a woman pastor. And her organization is bringing her in to like 10 committees to question her usefulness. Because over the last 11 years, 
she's been an atheist in the pulpit teaching the people in the church. And they need 12 committees to decide if she's useful? I mean, in one way, it's ridiculous. In the other way, it's devastating to me. Can you imagine that? An atheist in the pulpit, and we have to see, is she doing the right thing for God? Well, she doesn't even believe in a God and preaches that. God help us. See, lovers of self rather than lovers of God. God soften our hearts this morning to your spirit. Well, the next scene we're going to see is Jesus. He knows what's happening in ministry. He's a year and a half, two years away from going to the cross. He has thousands of disciples that are following him. But he knows he's going to have to pick a few that he's going to really pour into. Because these, we'll see in a moment, 12 are going to be the apostles. They're going to start the church in Jerusalem after Jesus goes to heaven. So everything he's doing is going to be placed in the hands of these 12 funky men. And that is a problem with him because he's trying to figure out, out of all of these people, who are the 12? They're not better than anybody else, but they're going to have that amazing gift of an apostle and they're going to lead the church. So look what Jesus does. Verse 12, look at your Bible. On one of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray. And he spent the night praying to God. You see, he spends all night. What is the first thing he does? Look at your bracelet. What's the first thing he does? He prays. Hello. Sometimes we forget that. I forget it sometimes. I already got the plan out. Oh, I forgot to pray. So Jesus goes. He prays all night. Now, why does he pray all night? Well, notice who he knows already that's around him that has potential. By the way, he's only going to pick 12. I'm having a joke. I'm thinking God said, by the way, he's praying to God. Who's going to make the decision? He or God? God is. Because he's operating as a man. And just like you, and he's dependent on the Father. I think God probably might have said to him, well, the first person you're going to pick is Peter. Jesus said, say what? (laughs) You mean this impetuous guy that's always putting his foot in his mouth? I'm tired of that. I've been fighting through that already. Really? So it's all night long. He might have been saying that about you and me. So as he's praying... God gives him these individuals. And notice at the end of verse 13, he designated them apostles. Why is he praying? Here's the principle. Write it down and remind yourself. I had to remind myself when I was reading it. Pray first. No to independence and yes to dependent. You know, we can research all kinds of things But Jesus wanted the will of God. You don't want your will. You want God's will. We've all been there doing our own thing. It doesn't work very well at all. So that's why prayer. Pray 
is dependence. That's all prayer is, it's dependence. So he prays all night. He does this as a man who man who needs to seek the will of the Father. As he does it, he chooses these apostles, but really God does. Now, who are they? Simon, who named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, uh, Judas, son of uh, James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. You see, most of the thousands of people will not be chosen to be apostles. They're all equal, but they won't have that special gift. Second, notice there's 12, the 12 tribes of Israel. So Jesus and God are kind of meshing these. This is just an extension because eventually it would go to the whole world, not just to the Jewish people. Now, the 12 he picked, this is another whole study could be done for weeks, but we're not going to do it. These 12 apostles were not men of outstanding ability or intellect. They're just normal people, a cross-section of humanity. They were very diverse, and yet they learned to serve in unity. Not perfectly. They would argue. They would fuss. See, God put them together because God loves unity. And the one that unifies us is God. You remember those disciples even started arguing, who's going to be on your right? Who's going to be on your left? And Jesus said, oh, if if I not talk to you about it, forget that stuff. But we understand these are ordinary people like you and me who learn to be in unity. Satan loves to divide, but God loves to unify. Now, when you think that, what made these apostles great? It was not their background. It was not their education. It was not their gifts. It was that God was living inside them. You see, these, God was placing the church in the hands of these 12. Jesus is gone. Can I ask you a question? Whose hands is the church of Jesus Christ in today? Come on, come on. Look at me. Come on, just put your hand out. Whose hands? It's yours. Is the best market? It's yours. It ain't only my baby. The church is in your hands. Go into all the world and make disciples. That's a command for all of us. That's why you have to go and say, this is a great place. It's a yes, yes, yes place. It's not a no, no, no place. And that's because yes, 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 God is here. So understand. I mean, who else is God going to put the church into? That's all he has is us. We're all ordinary. But we're going to do extraordinary things because God lives within us. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I can't really do that. Yes, you can. Look at this promise. One of my favorite verses, Philippians 2.13. For God is working in you. Get ready for an amen, by the way, at the end of this. Come on, get ready. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Can I I have an amen this morning? That's exactly right. He's in you. He's changing your wonder. He's giving you the power to do exactly that. Well, we learned that Jesus truly cared about meeting the needs of the people around him, even if it went against the traditions of the people in charge at the time. Pastor Mark encouraged us to display and live the faith of the crippled man. He also showed us what Jesus' priorities were and spoke of our necessity to follow them so that we could live a life of power just like Jesus did. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira Campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. In our next message, Pastor Mark will begin teaching on the difference between the values Jesus taught about and lived and those of the existing religious leadership. It's important for us to understand the difference and to grasp the comprehensiveness of each value system. That way we can ask God to change us as well as be aware of the attempts of the world system to impose itself upon us. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.